come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polterguide, Kinsey. I'm your polterguide, Donna. I'm your polterguide, Mac. And this week, we watch the brand spanking new release of Renfield. As always, we're going to be spoiler territory pretty quickly. You know us. You know how we roll. Uh, so let's just, we'll go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? How was your movie experience? Since uh, you had to go see it in out in the wilds of uh, a movie theater. Um, I loved it. This was just, this was just a good time. This is a fun movie. Um they managed to really nail that line between comedy and horror, um, IMO. Um, my my only problem was that I had a couple people sitting just like one seat over from me, so I was not able to take advantage of my notes feature on my phone. Um, that that was it, so I didn't get to take as many notes as I would have liked to. Um, but no, this is a delightful movie. Uh, Nick Cage. Uh, I feel like Nick Cage is perfect when he's still got a little bit of a leash on him. If you let him run wild, nah, nah. But he had a little bit of a leash on him and it was, wow, I loved this movie. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo your sentiments. It's Donna. It was just a lot of fun. I had fun with it. I really, the trailers didn't kind of, I mean, the trailers gave me a little bit of the tone, but not a lot of the tone. Like I thought there was going to be more of a, romantic subplot and i'm glad there wasn't like i i had a lot of fun with it it was funny it was gory it was fun gore and it was a good time and i i 100 agree with you about giving cage direction and a little bit of a leash because then you're reminded oh yeah this is why he's he's good this is why people love him because i'm always it's always 50 50 with me with nicholas cage like ugh. But this was this was good. Um, <clears throat> I guess I had fun. Um, I I think far too many of the really great bits and lines are in the trailers. Uh, I, there's a lot that was a lot that was really great in that movie that I had already seen, and that was a little disappointing. I think the makeup effects are great. I think Cage is great. I think Nicholas Holt is great. Uh, I think the cop subplot. Aquafine is fine, but just that subplot was very warmed over and like felt perfunctory and added in there just to pad out a running time. So I uh, I'm gonna be a little bit more mixed on it. There there's fun there to be sure, but uh, it didn't quite come together for me like it did for the two of you. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I don't think you're I I I think you're you're right on. There was a lot of good bits that we had seen in the trailers and I mean, even the R rated trailer, just seeing kind of yeah. the gore to expect. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. So. And I think the gore is a good thing to mention. I've, I've got a very good friend who is just not into gore at all. So if gore is not your thing there, there was one yeah. point in, in there was, there was one particular fight scene that there was sufficient gore to make me go, Oh God, <laughs> while watching the movie and I'm a veterinarian. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that fight scene, Donna, I was kind of cackling to myself. <laughs> I, I was too. I like the, the, the notion of someone being impaled by someone else's arm. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was the face that that made me cry out. That was that was the oh god <laughs> that, that got me. So uh, there is a lot of gore in this in this film. Oh hey, complete change of subject, and we haven't even gotten to our IMDb. <laughs> the old priest at the beginning that was Charlie Brewster. Yes, it was, and I'm so glad that you do that. Someone else brought that up too. I was very excited about that that was charlie brewster from fright night still hunting vampires still hunting vampires <laughs> so just felt like that needed to be mentioned so what does our old friends at imdb say about this film well so i don't know if they're getting ready for their sat test or act test 
But there's a lot of words in this description. And I'm just going to say right now, I'm glad I pre-read it before <laughs> now reading it. Because sometimes I don't. Renfield, Dracula's henchman and inmate at the lunatic asylum for decades, longs for a life away from the Count, his various demands, and all of the bloodshed that comes with them. No inmate scene at all. Right. I got I got a lot of issues with that description, so much so that my joke description seems somehow less important now. <laughs> but you see what I said though, that's like, oh, there's a yeah. there's a lot going on with this description. It's it's a very busy description that mm-hmm. doesn't really describe the events of this movie. No. No. I- I mean, the only thing it got right is, yeah, he does want to get away from Dracula's demands. That's it. But you could have, there was a lot of other stuff you could have, you could have mentioned. Okay, so I've got two joke descriptions, and right. one of them might get cut out. I, I, I admit that before I say it. <laughs> the first one, we can all have just a little chuckle about. Okay. Right. It's a, it's a movie about the slow transition of Nicholas Holt to become Hugh Grant. <laughs> Perfectly fine laugh. That's exactly what I was hoping for. (laughs) Second one is, this movie is loosely based on the history of this podcast. (gasps) (laughs) 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 Bam! Roasted. (laughs) Bean. Well, it definitely now makes a lot, it's a lot funnier when I'm thinking about what our quote suggestion is, as well as our, as our rule. Oh, Donna, I, I, Donna, gang, I wish y'all could see (laughs) older guy Donna's face because it's a mix of right on Mac and horror. (laughs) And it's freaking fantastic. Like, oh man, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, um. <laughs> She's a little speechless. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Lo- loosely based. Obviously, names and events have been changed for dramatic purposes. But uh... <laughs> oh, so did I lie? <laughs> you did not lie. Did not lie. You were not wrong. No, no lies here. I mean, anyway. maybe maybe cut a l- pretty close to the bone, but I'm not mad at you about it. I, I don't deny that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, just, that, that's a fair hit. Yeah. I mean, like I said, not mad at you about it. <laughs> All right. Back to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mag, did you? Oh, before we get too deep, and I know we're kind of jumping a little bit here. Did you mm. have any weird movie theater experience? Anything? No, yeah, I went to Circle. Um, I went to Circle. Laura actually came with me. Um, I, I have this weird, like, platinum level membership with them. So we both got in. Popcorn and drinks, three dollars. Nice. Yeah, AMC's membership is, is is a is a scam, top to bottom. I will not partake. I know, Kenzie, you're 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 part of the 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 upper echelon people. When I go to AMC, like you're please, your eleven dollars for yeah. your blue check mark at AMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, it's an egalitarian society at at uh, uh, <laughs> Circle. There's one uh, concession line. Uh, the, yeah, uh, but uh, I I had a, a good time. I've been going there like literally every week now since about February because I bought my membership and now I'm like, oh, I got to make it worth it. Um, so I had a delightful time. Everybody behaved themselves and uh, yeah. So I went up to the AMC up here. So if you're ever needing uh, the experience of your beloved uh, Eaton Square, if you ever need the Eaton uh-huh. Square experience, yeah, the AMC up here in Owasso will 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 suffice. There was five of us total in the theater. Uh, yeah. Editor Billy was kind of feeling a little under the weather, so I went Thursday night by myself. So it was me and two other couples. We were adequately spread out basically two rows between all of us. And so I could take my notes in peace. Everybody behaved. It was, it was nice. It was really nice. So yes, if you need the Eaton Square experience, but don't want to go to Eaton. Yeah. Owasso AMC's got you. 
I've been down on Eaton the last couple of times I've went there because there's something wrong. I think I mentioned this on our screen episode. There's something wrong with their digital projection right now. Like I, I noticed it during Scream and I noticed it in Knock, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, their machine's broken. Like you'll get weird digital warping every once in a while. And like the image will suddenly have like pixelation uh, oh. all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm like, Guys, I've defended you a lot longer than anybody else has, but you you gotta give me something to work with. Okay, so we don't have that up here. So we have that we're we're missing that that effect. A- AMC's uh uh projection has always been pristine if their social Darwinism is alarming at times. Okay. That's that yeah. is that's that's fair. That's fair. All right. So yeah, let's let's get into this. Let's uh let's let's go. Um, I think we need to talk about the opening, just that recreation, that classic universal Dracula opening, just the mishmash of the two of adding them in. And I'm glad yeah. fairly recently I had rewatched the OG Dracula so mm-hmm. I could appreciate yeah. that. But damn, that was cool. Even yeah. the aspect ratio. Yeah. All of a sudden we went from this widescreen to this little box of black and white and they actually put those actors in and um among was... the actors from that film edward van sloan and there was somebody else one of the ladies I was in, say the, in those flashbacks well the wives also were present too weren't they like the the three wives in that yeah flashback? i think that's right or whoever played mina in that might have been yeah. present for a flash yeah but well well i know we're, we're gonna deep dive more into yes. that i just wanted to just briefly mention it because i thought it was just a cool trailer that they had released before the movie came out i didn't realize it was going to be an mm-hmm. actual scene in the movie let alone opening the movie so i thought that was just a real a real cool thing it was it was a real cool thing it was it was really well done and um if you haven't seen the actual dracula movies you might not have realized how cool it was, but it yeah. was. Yeah. In fact, there's a scene, I guess, at what's basically the beginning of the third act when they carry Dracula's coffin in. And I just, God, I wish they had done that effect of him raising straight up. Yeah. I, I God, I wish they had done that. Because cause the way he did kind of curl up out of the coffin. Eh. It's fine. It was fine. It, it was it was menacing. You got to see the cool cape he was wearing with the collar, and you know it was all right. But that that raising straight up, man, that would have been cool. And they yeah, so I was just gonna say, yeah, the filmmakers. You can tell the filmmakers and the writer definitely love the Dracula genre and appreciate yes. the Dracula, and not just. And I'm not talking like. 80s 90s i'm i'm talking like og hammer horror like it is their fingerprints are all over this but they also i also really like that it's campy like if you guys are if i'm not i can't remember if y'all watch what we do in the shadows like it had a what we do in the shadows feel to it at times yeah. with the coloring and just the ridiculousness of <laughs> some of the things mm-hmm. and i'm here for all that it also helped that it was universal and that they could, you know, literally take the footage out of the Todd Browning original and, and make it a part of it. Um, it's going to get to our poll, so I'm going to yeah, I'm, I'm sticking a pin in some of that. Yeah. He, here's the interesting thing I have to say about Nicolas Cage's performance. When when Dracula is weak and and feeble, I was struck by the fact of how great would Nicolas Cage as a Ferengi be at some point? <laughs> oh, my gosh. He would be. I think they usually look for uh, shorter actors to play Ferengi, but he he was able to make himself look small. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he would make a great Ferengi, but I don't remember if we were recording or not when I made the comment about keeping Nicolas Cage on a leash. We were. We were. We were. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think I think they they basically had him on a on a nice retractable lead, you know, the kind with the with the thumb. <laughs> and and I think that's where 
you know, you know, one of my favorite movies for a few decades now has been Face Off. I, I just love that movie. It's not, it's it's not really a great piece of cinematic art, but I really love that movie where John Travolta and Nicolas Cage try to do impressions of each other. And but it it really is another example of of somebody having Nick Cage on on just just letting him letting him have a little room to run and but still keeping him kind of reined in and and him him just really doing fantastic work with that a little room to to move around but not go wild and and that's what we saw here um where he really you know he wasn't chewing up the scenery no, but he was doing great work. But I also read that he's he's had three roles that he always wanted to play, which is Captain Nemo, Superman, and Count Dracula. And well, one of those ain't going to happen anymore. Maybe. Yeah, well, he, he has voiced Superman. So, he has, and he, and he has also said that he knows he's fully aware he is too old to play Superman. Um, so he has voiced Superman. Here's Dracula, and he is apparently actively trying to get captain nemo right now so um so it may be that he he put the leash on himself that he was very eager to get dracula right so i don't know but i i thought he did this role great you know starting from when he's playing the uh the injured dracula and then slowly healing up until the point that he's you know the the healed and elegant and you know, I'm going to go charm Shorey Ag- Agdashlu, um, and you know we're going to take over the city. I really liked that idea of him having an army of familiars, and I just I don't know that that subplot was just it was interesting and something I hadn't seen in let alone Dracula lore or vampire lore. So I thought it was just it was interesting, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it would work or not, but it was, yeah, it was fun. So the Lobo crime family, the Lobos, um, so we've got Ben Schwartz and then this Iranian actor. Um, I actually wrote down how to pronounce her name so that I would get it correct. Shorey Agdashlu. She elevates anything she's in. She's fantastic. She's just beautiful, has this gravitas. Um, she, is she is she the same person who's in the expanse? Am I remembering yes, that yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, and I she believe she was in. I believe she was in Star Trek Beyond as well. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's... voiced a character in Arcane, and I was so angry when they killed that character. I was like, "You've got this Persian queen, and you killed her. <laughs> What's wrong with you?" No, I'm just I'm looking at her her IMDB and just things that you know that she's done and that she's been in. And yeah, like she she elevates anything. Like she's was a voice on Mass Effect two and three, uh mm-hmm. Admiral uh Shalaran. I'm sorry I'm butchering that, but yeah, no, she uh and yes, yeah, you were right. She is uh Commodore Paris in Star Trek Beyond. She she got out of Iran just before the revolution. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Just before the revolution took over, um, she was she was a highly respected actor before then in Iran, and then she got out and um, she was in uh, House of uh, Sand Glass and Fog. Sand yes. and Fog. Thank you, with Ben Kingsley. I mean, God, she's amazing. She's just amazing. And her role in The Expanse, whoa! I mean, if you haven't seen The Expanse, it's worth it just for her. I mean, The Expanse is fantastic, but it's worth it just for her. I'm sorry, I'm about to turn this podcast into the fan cast for Showreak Dashley. No, you were fine, because I was just thinking, what I was thinking as we were talking about her, is that she is perfect casting paired against Ben Schwartz, because Schwartz can be big, and he... And that's fine. He does fantastic either way when he's big or he's small, but pairing, putting them as mother and child and just kind of it, it reigns him in just enough, but also elevates him, which I think is just 
I mean, that's kind of what she does anyway. Uh, those around her. So mm-hmm. I thought that casting was was kind of brilliant. It was amazing. When she kind of hovers over him, it's believable that he kind of shrinks into himself. It makes complete sense that she would intimidate oh, that yeah. big personality and Ben Schwartz. Yeah, absolutely. Like that he, I mean, I, I don't know who the casting director was. I didn't pay that close attention, but man, everybody I, I thought was just firing. <laughs> And do you think he'll ever get another action role? Maybe. He was pretty good in this. Well, he could. It was a, you know, the familiar fight. I knew it was coming, but it was still funny. And it was great and gross. So. It was gross. And that x-ray shot. That was was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, As someone that loves the Mortal Kombat games, I appreciate that that x-ray shot. I was like, oh. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Donna, you you have this is kind of um, another little weird tangent here. You mentioned a cameo. I've got a second cameo that just made my my horror heart happy. The lawyer that comes and bails him out is Carolyn Williams, aka Stretch from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. She has a lot of other horror films that she does. The big one is Stretch from from 2, but it was like, oh, Carolyn Williams. I was like, I recognize that Texas twang and that sass. I was like, and then watching the credits, I was like, yeah, I was very happy with that. Mac, you haven't said a while, anything in a while. Um, I don't know if I've got all that much more. I'm not disagreeing with anything that's said. Um, I think, as much as I mentioned, is he, Cage is good at cowering and <clears throat> being injured early on. I also was struck by the end that he should have been a Batman villain at some point. Like, I think there was talk right after Batman and Robin of him being the Mad Hatter in a fifth 80s 90s uh continuation of that series and he would have been great would have been great yeah he he could have done there's a lot of batman villains he he could do very well and just i think it would be kind of funny to see him do uh oh the one batman villain i i want to call him puppet master but he has a ventriloquist Uh, dummy and i know that's not ventriloquist oh the ventriloquist thank you (laughs) i think (laughs) you you were right there (laughs) No, Kizzy, you're right there. I think he would have been pretty funny and fantastic yeah. as that because you could have the the leashed up and then the dummy persona just being off the chain. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there, there, he would have been a great Clayface as well. And for, the rumor mill is indicating that Clayface will be in the next Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson Batman film. So, so then there's, there's hope. Yeah. So basically, Matt Reeves can remind people of, oh no, this is why Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. That he mm-hmm. is a, uh, he he when he, when he when he has parameters, he he's good stuff. I know we had talked off mic and maybe um, about Renfield and where does he go from here? Like mm. discussing that and that was yeah. Me. I had I had I actually spent a fair amount of time thinking about this because. There, there was a fair bit of discussion about, there was an analogy made to therapy. The whole movie is an analogy to therapy and mental health. Sometimes it's not even an analogy. It's just about therapy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and there fun. was a point when Renfield um, takes responsibility for all the horrible things that he's done. And he's like, I wasn't a victim. I, I did those things. Imagine that. <laughs> Right, yeah, just taking responsibility for what you've done. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, taking a moment. Okay, so so he takes responsibility for what he's done, and then um, Rebecca, played by Aquafina, later on tells him he's not a bad guy, and he should be able to go on and live his life. Well, those two concepts are kind of either he's responsible for the things that he's done. And there should be consequences, not necessarily in a movie world, not necessarily he should go to jail, but there should be consequences. Like maybe he shouldn't have survived the movie, Hmm. Um, but either he's responsible for the things he's done and there should be consequences or he's not responsible for the things he's done and he should go get to live a happy, have a happy ending. So I kind of spent some time thinking about that. The conclusion I ended up coming to is apparently he's been suffering and miserable yeah. since World War One. 
ish. And perhaps that's his consequence for the horrible things that he's done. It kind of the the psych the psychological equivalent of time served. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the conclusion I came to mm-hmm. is that yes, he's done all these horrible things, and yes, he chose to do that by his own admission, but he has been suffering this whole time. So maybe and, and the idea of consequences is tricky because you know I think often so 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 much what is missing a missing component from an apology for lack of a better term or an acceptance of responsibility is the promise to do better and I think that is there I mean we I don't are we talking about the movie anymore or are we not but uh <laughs> But I, I believe in the sincerity of the Renfield character that he isn't going to fall into old patterns and just continue the process. And that that's more important than him being punished to me, I I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing changed behavior. Yeah. Starting with the fact that he didn't bring a, a handful of nuns, a busload of cheerleaders or some tourists to drive. And a happy married couple. <laughs> Thank you. I could not. I could not remember the fourth thing (laughs) yeah i mean he he's accepted what he did and he's trying to do better i mean the thing is though he brought his therapy group back like he didn't have to do that like i don't think old ren i mean well we know old renfield wouldn't have done that and i think you know that group group made a lot of helped him quite a bit yeah i don't think his their deaths are on him. I think he like he tried. He tried yeah. to get them out of there. Yeah. He, yeah. he could have tried harder to stop Mark from inviting Dracula in. I think it all happened so fast that he's trying not to. And then but Mark is, you know. Mark is just by the way, I spent this whole movie thinking that Mark was Warren from Buffy. Oh. No. And it wasn't until I got home and looked him up and like, no, that's definitely not Warren from Buffy. And then realized that Warren from Buffy would actually be quite a bit older. So. And then you'd but, start having questions of like, well, should you have brought at least not him back and left, you know, it, it, there's baggage if it w- had been Warren from Buffy. Yeah. So the guy sure did look like him though. Yeah. I, I, I see, I see the similarities with him, but I, yeah, I dimple in the chin. Yeah, Similar think, energy, yeah. But now then, does so, fun little thought here. So does Renfield now kind of, is he still going to be kind of like Dexter and people that are traumatizing his the new people in therapy? Is he going to uh, scare them or or end them kind of like how he was doing? Well, I thought we think we're seeing strange behavior. So no, yeah. I don't think he's going to murder yeah. people anymore. I don't, I, yeah. I mean... If pressed, I don't think he has a problem with throwing down, but he is not hunting for the sake of hunting anymore. All right. Yeah. That was just part of a note I couldn't read of describing this film because I was like, I can't tell that word. And then as we started talking about it, it's like, oh, no, that's Dexter. Dexter is the word I was looking for. I want to talk about that fight at the apartment complex. Okay. That, uh, that glorious, gory fight. Starting with the ant farm. <laughs> Uh-huh. Wait, are we going into Dr. Donna corner here? Are we? Where, no. Where, okay. No, there's no Dr. Donna here. Okay. Because, I mean, it, this is just, this is just ridiculous. So, um, so I'd have to talk about how the sand would slow down the digestive process, but apparently there's magic involved in eating bugs. So, um, Donna, it's yeah. New Orleans. It's New Orleans sand. I'm just, I'm going to. I don't, I don't do magic. So is this really the first time he's ever tried eating multiple bugs at the same time? Because apparently he didn't realize before now that he could supercharge himself. I mean, Donna, with his opinion of himself and which wasn't very high because of Dracula, I think so. I think that I don't, I don't. I don't think he realized how much power he truly had and yeah. could have. I mean, and I think the supercharged bug eating is the perfect example of that. 
And and what was the line? You're a bad man, Mr. Renfield. Sometimes that comes in handy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then all of a sudden we've got we've got him jumping around and ripping people's arms off and impaling people with them and ripping faces off and tearing people in half and lots of limb loss lots of limb loss lots of limbs lost in the previous fight rebecca asked him did i just see you cut a dude's arms off with a serving platter i like rebecca i like her a lot i like her too and i liked you know like i said i i was happy that there was not a romantic subplot and normally and normally i'm one of these people that i will find people to ship like i you know total transparency i will I will find people to ship whether they are it's intentional or not. So the fact that I didn't have that in this and I didn't want it, I'm I'm good with that. Since this movie is all about therapy, I do not think Rebecca was in a place that she was ready to have a romantic relationship. No, and I absolutely agree. She was definitely yeah. nor was he. Yeah. Nor was he. I uh, yeah. yes. She was just too angry at the world, and he did not love himself enough nope. to love someone else. Do we have anything else? Or I mean, I... I, our our quote for this episode is not the thing I'm about to say. But okay. since we just discussed the apartment fight, I do want to read Rebecca's comment on it. All right. And that is, you know, when something crazy happens and someone's like, it's okay, I've seen way worse. Everything I saw you do today is going to be my way worse because it was pretty bad. Yeah. When when the end of the scene is just this pile of bodies and body parts in an apartment courtyard. Yeah. Yeah. The The thing you need to realize is she says that line while he very gentlemanly reaches up and takes her hand and helps her (laughs) step over the pile of mutilated bodies (laughs) while she says that line. I think this goes back to Max's Hugh Grant comment of uh, him transforming himself into Hugh Grant. I think it goes back to that. Yes. Yes. I do have a question. All right. What you got? That apparently Dracula can't take back the familiar powers. It's like once he's made someone his familiar, they're his familiar forever. Yeah, I've never heard that in true Dracula lore or any, or even vampire lore, to be very honest with you. It would tend to make sense if it's a lower level of the vampiric powers itself. It's sort of a activation. And then a vampire can't like go back to a human necessarily. Yeah. Or, its natural inclination would not be so if it's a if it's a diet vampire then i think it operates under the same continuum as vampirism i also want to mention a couple things about rebecca because i really liked rebecca and i know we're about done but i just i really like rebecca i love how well they established and maybe it's just her anger i don't know but how well they established that she's she's just not turning. She's just not turning. With a gun against her head, she's not turning. With the entirety of the New Orleans police force and the crime family surrounding her, she's not turning. So that when she's offered her sister's life by Dracula, she's still not turning. Although tempted. I don't think she was. I don't think she Maybe. was. I, I think I think she was buying time to find that light switch. Mm, maybe. Um, yeah, because what I mean, well, I mean, we learned that, you know, what that Dracula's blood has healing powers. But I think, yeah, I don't think she was tempted either at that last one. I think she I think she walked into that establishment the, knowing and OK was she possibly could not come out alive. And she had made her peace with that. I think they pretty well established that she's not going to turn. And I think she knew she needed to get to that light switch. And I mean, when she, when she was surrounded by the cops of the crime family, she said, okay to them to buy time to get to the car. So when Dracula tempted her, she pretended to say, okay to him 
in order to get to the switch. So I don't think she was tempted at all. And I think that that's pretty well established in the way she's responded before. But that's my opinion. And the other thing I really loved was when Dracula had her lifted up in the air and she shot him in the foot <laughs> so that he would bleed on Renfield. I loved that. All right. Well, Donna, you have our quote. This quote is said by Mark, who is not played by the same actor that played Warren in Buffy. <laughs> and he says, as he looks up at Dracula, obviously we are dealing with a little more than just narcissism here. <laughs> Before they're all slaughtered. Epically. <laughs> Epically. And I have our rule, which is remember what you learned in group therapy. That's how you're going to survive this movie, is remember what you learned in group therapy. Mm -hmm. and macula you have our poll which we was dancing around quite a bit more than i realized yeah <laughs> um is this movie canon with the original universal monster movies including but not limited to dracula and lugosi's only other feature appearance as the count abbott and costello meet frankenstein See, and I think it's kind of obvious that it is. One, yeah. because it's done by Universal. Right. And two, just by the the pull that they do in that opening scene. That obviously it's canon. Now, my quibble that I add to this, and I because I mentioned it off mic, is is it also Hammer Horror canon? Because there's a couple of shots when Nicolas Cage is very angry that he looks like Christopher Lee, that first hammer horror dracula he looks like christopher lee how the bloodshot eyes look just that crazed look how dark his hair is like so i i think so but i think the bigger question is it a hammer cannon or like <laughs> a better yeah. term i i i would say no on the hammer cannon because it's very difficult to make the hammer cannon canon with the original Universal Monster movies, and the transitive property begins to fall apart a little bit there. I, I think it's interesting, I mean, I, I, I may not have even talked about it on this one, I may have talked about it on Horror Hangover with, with Cass and Ryan, that the Universal Horror movies are sort of that first shared cinematic universe. If you take, you know, at least the Wolfman as the, the ongoing thread there, they have a pretty, certainly for the time, cohesive canon in, in and among themselves so uh it's interesting that they go for that and that they uh believably place holt and cage as those characters from that movie because i think that this movie universal's first attempt to say forget a shared universe in our monsters let's just do some monster movies because we tried dracula untold we tried the mummy things weren't working out let's let's not try to marvel out our 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 horror staple and this one feels like it's much more cohesively part of a, a whole, a 90-year-old whole. That's a phrase I didn't really want to say out loud. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I think it is. And I'm going to treat it as such because uh, I like those old movies. And oddly enough, I think it's, there was a moment when I was watching it originally uh, and I was like, oh, th th this Browning stuff is all through it. This is this is Lugosi's original movie. This is Dracula Part Two, Colin Renfield. Um, and there was a little bit of disappointment there because of all the old Universal horror movies, Dracula is like my least favorite. It it's one of the earliest ones. It's uh, produced just after sound synchronized with with movies. And it plays out really like a recorded stage performance. There, there's not a lot of camera movement. Uh, some of the special effects are very janky. I think we watched it last year on the yeah. show. And so I, I won't belabor any of those points. Um, I, did, I wish it was a sequel to Bride of Frankenstein. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so in an interview, Chris McKay, the director, said that the film is intended to serve as a direct sequel to Todd Browning's Dracula. Okay. Good that on him. Was, that was his intention. So you're you're firmly in the yes column there. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that is why we had the footage from the Todd Browning Dracula. Um, God, I just wish we'd had that Dracula standing straight up out of the coffin. That that's it. That that that's it. That, you that's... mentioned the 
Yeah, you mentioned the coffin. Now that I think about it, the coffin very looks looks also very similar to the coffin from that film. That mm -hmm. very similar sort of glyph on there, and yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know what? I just this moment realized is every time we see Teddy Lobo before that moment, he is squirrely as hell. He is squirrely. He is. He is just. He's, he's John Ralphio. Yeah, yeah, and. After he's made Dracula's familiar, he is he's 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 alpha predator. He's he's slow. He's confident. He he doesn't need to be jittery and moving all over. Um, he's uh, it you know he's become Dracula's familiar. He he doesn't need to be that squirrely guy anymore. Yeah, good acting on Ben Schwartz's part. Good job. Ben Schwartz. So anyway, I just realized that. It was a good realization. Do we have anything else? Yeah. All right. So happy place. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. So last weekend was Star Wars Celebration in Europe. And of course, as always, Celebration, lots of announcements, yada, yada, yada. And the big one for your poltergeist, Kinsey, is one, we got our first shot, if you will, of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And we saw the confirmation of who is playing him, which is Lars Mikkelsen. Not surprised because they loved him, loved his voice portrayal in Rebels. But yeah, so now I have officially have our Grand Admiral Thrawn announced. And we knew it was going to happen in Ahsoka. They've been teasing it in the Mandoverse a while, especially if you have watched last week's episode, which fuck you, Gideon. Fuck you. And uh, yeah, that's my, uh, my, my happy place. I mean... Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to say "Heir to the Empire" is coming to fruition, but it really feels like "Heir to the Empire" is coming to fruition in the Mandoverse. All of the pieces are there. If it's not gonna quite be, it's five years after Jedi. Grand Admiral Thrawn is there. There's cloning. There's Mount yeah. Tantus and Bad Batch. Like there, if it's if they if they do air, it won't be the air that we know, but it's gonna be a take on air. Once again, yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Mara Jade's about the only piece of the puzzle missing. And I have not watched re the, the recent season of Man Mandalorian. So maybe she is. Maybe I missed something. No, you, you, uh, spoiler yeah. alert, you haven't. So okay. don't worry about that. You haven't, uh, yeah. The, this, this latest season of Mando, especially this last episode. Ooh, yeah. All right. I have to stop there because I'm going to keep talking about it. <laughs> Similar, but distinct from Kenzie. I've had, an interesting week. Some of these, some of the things that are interesting in my week, uh, I, I don't think I could legally talk about on a podcast. So that's fun. Um, uh, but where is that happy place? It, it is definitely this third season of Star Trek Picard. Um, Donna proclaimed as we were <laughs> talking things out that she has only seen up through it sounds like the end of season two by, by what she was describing has not picked up season three. So there's a lot of things I got to dance around uh, to express my joy. Uh, there is uh, the, well, several returning characters. I don't think that's a spoiler. That, that's that been in the advertising. And, yeah. and, and, and I know such. everyone's back. Yeah, everyone everyone's back. Everything is back. Um, uh, there, they, there is there's something in a hangar that is good. And I had a feeling what it was. I didn't know how fully it was going to be what it was. Uh, but uh, it, 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 everybody back. Everybody doing good. Everybody's fine. Uh, the blank, who are the big bads of this season, are fucked. They don't even know what happened. They're like, oh, shit. It's that with them? Oh, no. Our evil plan is ruined. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm mad. I'm mad. Let me did my head here on what it is, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. Have you watched the latest stuff, Kenzie? Yeah, 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 yeah. We okay. yeah we watched episode nine, Vox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 all we're we're all caught up. Yeah, it's. I know it's, there was a little bit we weren't, and then we got caught up immediately. I'm glad we did. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's pretty dope. Anyway, that's my happy place. Donna, we've stalled long enough. What's yours? 
I came up with it and I have since forgotten it. So while I try to remember what my happy place was, I'm going to say it took me a long time to watch Picard because um, I just couldn't quite come up with what a Star Trek series about a retired elderly admiral was going to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Patrick Stewart. He's fantastic. Um, but I'm just like, I, what, how are we going to have a Star Trek series about an elderly Patrick Stewart picking grapes? I just, this does not seem like something that's going to be fun to watch. And boy, did they figure it out. I I, I just remember, I think it was the first episode when this young woman is dragging elderly Patrick Stewart up a flight of stairs. And I'm like, you got to stop that. You, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> He's very old, but... It's a good series, you guys. If you haven't watched it, it's very good. It's a good series. I enjoyed season one and season two. I think there were some flaws in there. They were still working out the kinks. Season three. All cylinders. It's all gas, yeah. no break. After almost every episode, Laura and I have had to sit in silence for up to an hour just to collect ourselves after it was over. So season three, really yeah. something special. Yeah. Season three is chef's kiss, Donna. Yeah. Season one was very emotional for me. And I, I, that was a lot of weeping during season one. It, I had a lot going on, a lot of big feels. Season two was fine. I, I mean, I, I don't think I've said it on the podcast and I've said it off air. Uh, we didn't finish season two. It just, you know, some things were missing. It just, it got real heavy. I'm sorry. Oh. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. Because I spoiled season two. You did not, Donna, because we have watched the, the openings for <laughs> season three. It filled in the gaps. So no, you did not spoil anything, okay. Donna. Okay. We we knew going into season three because, uh, one, be because of Max's statement and two other friends of ours. It's like, no, season three, just start watching it. And so that's what we did. Okay. And I'm so glad that we did. Although as season three progresses, it, it it becomes much more part of the whole show. Like the events of one and to a certain degree two become more important. Yeah. So I remember my happy place and I'm fully aware that my happy place is not at all original. Okay. I'm, I'm aware that my happy place is shared by a large portion of the world. But right now, my happy place is, one, that Pedro Pascal exists in the world, and two, that he is all over the internet. I can just open the internet and find Pedro Pascal being adorable. And, and part of this is, if you just see him acting, he's very serious. And, and like almost every role he plays, he's very serious and He's very and intense. Tough. Very tense, very yes. intense. Very intense, yes. yes. But him himself appears to be a big goof, and he seems like the kind of person that we would be friends with. <laughs> That's what it feels like. When, when I see him being himself, he feels like our people, and I I feel like we would be friends with him, and that makes me happy. So, As someone that follows him on Instagram, I concur with uh, mindset of of what you know i i think so as well that uh but yeah i i yeah i, I like that happy place too donna because i like that in my tiktok at least i'm going to get a couple couple fan videos on my for you page he's all know. over and I, I love that because he's fantastic and he is sexy and he is funny and he is just fantastic and and I can just get Pedro Pascal just by opening my internet, and that makes me happy. If you're at all a fan of the show Community, he swapped out for, I can't remember the actor's name, they did a virtual table read at, like, the peak pandemic, uh, and he played one of the, the characters, and he 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 had never seen the episode, so by the end, he's laughing hysterically <laughs> at, at the gags because he just he, he, he doesn't see them coming. I uh, have to find that. I will. I will endeavor to find a link. I, to, I, to. I wonder who he played. Uh, you've you've seen the show? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was the episode where they were reading Pierce's will. Uh -huh. So was he? And, was he Pierce? No, he was not Pierce because Pierce is dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He he was the guy that Pierce had hired to administer the lie detector test. 
Oh god. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm blanking on the guy who played him in the actual episode. Uh, you've seen him in lots of stuff. He was in like uh, the, he was in Shield and uh, anyway, that guy Pedro Pascal swaps out and he's quite good. I'll have to find it. Yep. Okay. All Excellent. Right. Well, you can find us on social media. We're uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Cabin. We have a Facebook page, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Our web page is beyondthecabininthewoods.com. I am on Instagram and Twitter as at Callista77. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at Dragon Goblin. Uh, there's no I in Goblin. I am at Party Apocalypse on Twitter, uh, Spoutable. Spoutable didn't take off. It, we, we had high hopes. It, it's just not there. Uh, theoretically, Instagram, but there's nothing there. I, I It's not going to happen for me. Uh, I'm becoming less online, he said, from one of his three podcasts. Um, <laughs> but PartyApocalypse.com has other excellent podcasts for your listening pleasure, including The Holodeck is Broken with uh, Eris, Z, and my wife, Laura. We also have, uh, they started a Criminal Minds rewatch podcast called Disorganized, a Criminal Minds podcast. That's airing now. we got full runs of As the Myth Turns, The Fourth Wall, and Friendables, Two Friends, talking about Hannibal Lecter. And coming soon, I imagine, is a gog for Agdashlu. Uh, the... <laughs> a solo podcast it's, from God. It's a, only a matter of time uh, <laughs> that... Uh, there's books, blogs, movie reviews, and nothing else. Partyapocalypse.com for most of your entertainment. To to also, though, I'm sure there's going to be a podcast coming along, which is going to be Kinsey defending Grand Admiral Thrawn's war crimes because he do, he has done nothing <laughs> wrong. So it's just I would listen thing. to that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I hear a lot of podcast pitches, and that one I'm interested in. <laughs> that he's never done anything wrong. <laughs> But that would actually be an interesting idea, like a people's court type, but for fictional characters, you have the defense, you have the prosecution, you try to make the case. Yeah. Uh, anyway. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy, for making us sound professional and fantastic. We love you, Billy. And thank you for listening. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us if you aren't already doing so. Please mash that button. Which button? The subscribe button and the like button. Both those buttons. Mash those buttons. Mash them! Oh, and don't read the letter. Shut the fuck up, Kyle. Do you know what horror is? <laughs>